It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's always great when we get John McClain on the phone lines, and we do that every single Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and so he joins us right now. And, John, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Today at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, teams had to have their rosters cut from 90 to 85. The Raiders have done that. Uh, do you like this process better than the massive cut from 90 to 53? Do you think this slow, uh, you know, this slow process is a little bit better? Hugh, they've changed it so many times through the years. It's been amazing. I never liked the massive cut. I like it like this. It's slower. There's so many guys on the roster they could cut. They're really there for practice. Like the last preseason game comes around, coaches know their players. They've watched them throughout the offseason program. They've seen them in practice camp. They don't need to see that last preseason game. So get rid of some of the riffraff and give guys a chance who deserve it. Do you think that the Raiders approach this week's uh, preseason game against Miami? It's their third preseason game. Do you think they treat it as most traditional th- third preseason games, or do they wait till next week? I would imagine, since you have two weeks off, more than two weeks off, between the last preseason game and the start of regular season, if you don't play some of your starters, but most of your starters in that third game, you're running the risk that they'd be off for three weeks without hitting anybody and expect them to be ready. If I were going to hold them out, look at backups, it would be this game. Back to Q, when, they, when I started, they had six exhibition games. <laughs> but then they went to four in 1978. And the way it used to be, and this was across the board, the first preseason game, the starters would play quarter. Second preseason game, they would play a half. Third preseason game, they played three quarters. And the fourth preseason game, to get ready for regular season, when they only had a week off, they would play the starters most of the game because they wanted them to be ready to go and sharp for the start of regular season. And then the salary cap came in, and combined with the fact that teams have great facilities, in which they want players to be there all year round unless they're on vacation. They get three meals. They get treated like royalty. They have every kind of machine to work out on. They have the best medical people, the best rehab stuff you can take. So there's no reason to not have guys today because they're in such great shape. They know they got a chance to make a lot of money and have long careers. So when they show up, they're ready to go. A lot of coaches want to have more joint practices and less preseason games. But the problem is the owners don't want to take the pay cut because they're selling those preseason games as part of the regular season package. Yeah, no, they really are. And the Raiders have a joint practice coming up with the Patriots next week. So I'm interested and excited, really, to see how that's going to shake out after the Patriots got into a big fight uh, with the Panthers. That's the one, I guess that's the one downfall of, of uh, joint practices that you can have the, you run the risk of having that big fight. Oh, so what? It's so <laughs> funny. Guys got on their pads and they're worried about them fighting. And then when they get the game, they're hitting each other a whole lot harder than they did fights. I was in New Orleans once with the Texans. Mm. They cut it short because of the fighting. I was in Richmond, Virginia, Texans with Washington. They cut it short because of the fighting. Went home early, which I didn't like because the weather was so much cooler in Richmond 
than it is in Houston. <laughs> so even if they fight, now, you want to see some good fights? I'll tell you good fights. In 1993, Buddy Ryan, one of the greatest defensive coaches in history, was hired by the Houston Oilers to take over a defense that had just choked the biggest game in NFL history, the 35-3 third-quarter lead at Buffalo in a wild-card game, losing 41-38 in overtime. So they brought Buddy in. So what Buddy did in the off-season program, they didn't wear pads. They wore shorts and T-shirts, and he made them hit. And they used to have fist fights all the time. It was We could go to practice back then, and, boy, it was fun. It was almost like MMA, watching those guys <laughs> go at it. And then a guy would go in with a broken nose and get it fixed. And, boy, it sure and toughened them up and made them mad and made them hate Buddy. But they had the best defense in the league that year. There you go. There you go. That's the that's recipe to success right there. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, you mentioned earlier how these players, that are these coaches already know the players. They see them in, in training camp all the time. And for the individuals, I think that that's great. But for the offensive line, John, you know that they have to be one cohesive unit. How quickly do you think head coach Josh McDaniels needs to figure out who his starting five is going to be? Well, I'll tell you something else. Uh, when you have a new coach, you have a new system, you have a lot of new players, you have a new general manager, and they're all coming in. And it's not often that you have that with a playoff team. Most of the time you have a new coach and GM because your team's awful and the Raiders are not. The Raiders are a playoff team. They might have a chance to win the toughest division that I've ever seen in the NFL. And if they want to make the running game and the passing game work, they got to figure out the offensive line and they got to do it fast. So much of the line is about communication among the players. That's why linemen are so smart generally is because they have to make so many decisions uh, as they walk up from the huddle when they're on the line of scrimmage and the signals are being called and the center's calling out line adjustments. And then they had to adjust on the fly. And if just one of them messes up, you know, it's Armageddon. And so that, that like here in Houston, they've had trouble with their offensive line the last two years. It was the starters, three of the starters were out, backup struggle. So it's, to me, more important when you have a veteran quarterback than any position. Now, if you didn't have, if you had a new quarterback or a young quarterback, that would be the most important. But I think for the Raiders, they got to decide on their lineman. Talking right now with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, John, I've already seen it. Now that some players are being released, teams are making corresponding moves and picking up those released players. Have you seen in your time covering the league that teams are finding gems in these players that are getting cut off the waiver wire, or is it just filling them some more bodies at camp and giving a guy a shot? Well, usually, DeMond, the nuggets you find are on later cuts, not these initial ones. The advantage today is you have a practice squad. So the Raiders could cut, you know, 10, 12 guys here, and people, oh, my God, they're going to cut them, but they end up on the practice squad. And then they can end up on the varsity, so to speak. So I don't put, I don't think much about cuts now because those guys, they must have been really bad to be the first cuts. But as you get down to the last ones, you've got to get to 53. A lot of those guys aren't going anywhere. They can if they want to. If somebody else wants them on the practice squad, they can go. But by and large, I would imagine 
the Raiders because they're playing in Las Vegas. They play in a great stadium. They got a great facility, and they got a chance to go back to the playoffs that people are not going to other teams to be on the practice squad. They want to be right there with Josh McDaniels. John, are you surprised that a guy like Indomitian Sue is not signed yet? I um, understand he didn't want to go through training camp. He's never worked out with his team. He always works out on his own. He doesn't miss games. He's been incredibly durable. Now, maybe he's like Dwayne Brown. The offensive tackle is 37 years old. He got $6.5 million to sign with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Now, Donovan Sue's going to play somewhere. I don't know if he's waiting for somebody to get hurt or if he's just ready thinking, okay, the time's right, I've missed enough time, and he already knows where he's going. But he will play, and he will be a rock, a defensive tackle that the coaches can count on because they know he'll answer the bell every game. I don't know if I told you, but the Raiders have a couple of uh, Baylor Bears, former Baylor Bears on the squad, and Jared Stidham and Andrew Billings. Both guys are uh, making some noise in training camp so far. Stidham, I believe, is going to be the backup. But uh, Andrew Billings had a nice little showing on Sunday as well. Uh, some of your former alma mater guys are, uh, are on the Raiders' current staff right now. Yeah, I remember Jared Stidham. When he was a freshman, Art Browse's coach told me he could be the best quarterback Baylor ever had. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you just had RG3. And then, of course, Stedham, when the scandal hit, went to McClendon Junior College, then to Auburn, which was a smart thing to do. And Andrew Billings, when he came out and went to Cincinnati, I thought he was going to be really good. And I think he suffered a serious knee injury mm-hmm. and hasn't been the same. But, boy, if he can come close to being the player he was when he came into the NFL, he could help the Raiders in a reserve role. Yeah, that's what I think, and especially after seeing that uh, that defensive tackle position on Sunday, give up a lot of the of the ground game to the Minnesota Vikings. They need all the help they can get at that interior position on the defensive line. John, just got a couple more questions for you. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the Texans don't have to worry about Deshaun Watson anymore. How how much of a relief is that? Well, but you know, it's still a huge topic of conversation here on every talk show. Everything involved with Watson is. Big time news, and the way he played in the game didn't surprise me at all. He hadn't played since 2020, mm-hmm. and whenever his suspension's over, he's not going to just ride in on a white horse and step in and lead him to victory. He's going to need an adjustment period. Plus, he's going to be playing in some terrible weather in downtown Cleveland, like right on Lake Erie. So, if he is suspended, say he's suspended all of this season and he comes back in 23, I think he's going to struggle. I'll tell you something else. Based on that three-word chant that the Jaguars fans in the end zone were doing, that's the kind of thing that he's going to face everywhere he goes, and he's going to have to have thick skin. He's never been in a situation in which he was criticized. He was a great player at Clemson, won a national championship, lost a championship game, Came in here, he was great from the get-go, nothing but adulation. So he's got to be able to put it behind him when he plays. And he could have made it go away over a year ago if he'd settled. He didn't. He's gotten bad advice, and he's paying a price. And I know he, the Browns fans, us, everybody just wants it to be over. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we all want it to be over, but John, I really do feel like this is one of these scenarios similar to Zeke Elliott and Tom Brady that's going to it's going to last a while in my opinion. 
I'm thinking about coming out there to see the Texans play the Raiders. Nice. Might be staying at one of your suites. <laughs> Can you line me up in a suite at, say, Caesars? I got with you. With all your connections. Hey, you know, I got it, John. If I don't have it yet, I'll get it by the time you get here. <laughs> <laughs> I got your back. I got your back. My wife told me, she said, she said, now that you don't have to write all those stories for the Chronicle, and I do have a couple things I'll have to write after games, but not nearly as much. She said, I want to go to Las Vegas. She always wants to come to Las Vegas. <laughs> and I want to go see the Texans. I said, I don't give a damn about seeing the Texans, but if you want to go to Vegas, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. All right, John, you are the end-all, be-all when it comes to coverage of the AFC South, and I've got to ask you about a specific Uh-oh. player here. Here he goes. Lonnie Johnson was released from the Chiefs today. and oh, He was a the, former Texan. Yes, and the Titans have recently picked him up. Is he going to make the 53-man roster for the Titans? <laughs> Demond, you've got a better chance of making their 53-man <laughs> roster than he ju- does. Lonnie was a second-round pick from Kentucky. came in, he's 6'2", about 215, a cornerback. He can run, great athlete, and he didn't work out a corner. They moved him safety, moved him back to corner. Then they trade him to Kansas City for a conditional seventh-round pick if he makes his roster. Chiefs have already cut him. Titans have signed him. The only good thing. Mike Vrabel has taken a lot of Texans rejects, and they've been solid players. And so if he can't get anything out of Lonnie Johnson, he'll go down as a humongous bust. Well, John, what DeMond really wanted to ask you was, how do you think the Titans are going to do this year? Are they still going to be the, the leaders in the clubhouse in that division? Hey, it's the Titans against the Colts. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I noticed next year, has a 39.6 million cap figure. And if Malik Willis shows any kind mm-hmm. of promise this year, Tannehill's going to be gone. Tannehill, with his cap figure this year, kept them from keeping A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown has been tearing it up with the Eagles. He's so good, they've shut him down from games because they don't want to risk him getting hurt. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, DeMond, that A.J. Brown trade is going to be felt across the AFC South. But I still think they got the best coach and the best team, but don't count on them getting home field advantage. Let me ask you about those Eagles real quick before I let you go. What are your expectations there uh, in the NFC East with the Eagles and the Cowboys? And, I mean, I guess you could look at the Commanders and the Giants, but I'm really looking at the Eagles and the Cowboys. I'm looking at the Eagles and Cowboys, and Cowboys have the best quarterback. There's no way. Jalen Hurts approaches Dak Prescott. Problem with Dak Prescott, he's got one legitimate receiver, two coming off injuries. Their line is not as good as it was. Tony Pollard may be a better running back than Zeke Elliott. Their defense should be good. The problem is they can't get out of their own way. 17 penalties in the first game, which is exactly what cost them in the playoffs. But I'm picking the Cowboys to be the first team to repeat in the NFC East since Andy Reid's Eagles. Ooh, there you go. Said by the general, John McClain, here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 NSA Roughness. John, thank you so much for your time, as always. It's great. And anytime that you and the wife want to come out to Vegas, man, you know somebody. Just holler at me, man. I got you. We'll call it. We'll call you, and you start saving your money so you can pick up dinner. I got it. No and doubt. I want, and I want, I want DeMond there, too. Perfect. Done deal. 
Thank you. Paying for Thanks, both of us. <laughs> All right, John. There he goes. John McClain, the great John McClain, joining us. A uh, good friend of mine right there. A uh, great dude. And, uh, hey, man, if John McClain comes to town, not only will I buy him and his wife dinner, but DeMond, damn it, you can come too. Oh, man. Now, you got to eat, eat off the kids' menu. <laughs> Hey, but, don't, don't, don't sleep on the kids' menu sometimes. Hey, you ain't lying, man. Back in the day, I mean, way back in the day, don't think we didn't try to hustle the kids in the Golden Corral as kids' kids and not adult kids. Yeah, we had that. Hey, look, man, we had that hustle, too. I am not ashamed of that. Now, that was back in the day, but that's what we used to do. The buffet table, hey, is that an adult or a kid? Oh, you know that's a kid. Well, the kids, it stops at 10. Oh, yeah, they're nine. Yeah, whatever the cutoff is. Whatever the kids, we're one year under. <laughs> that's a real tall eight-year-old. What are you trying to say? You trying to say you dis- disrespecting my eight year old? No, no, you're fine, sir. All right, good. Thank you. Yeah, he's 12. 316 is the time. We'll come back, get your calls and texts. Hit us up 702 365 9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword RR. We have all five players at the Raiders of a Cup. We'll tell you about that next. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Biggest play that I've made in my career, if you look at the situation, I was a third and 17 in the playoff game against the Bengals. It's going to be over if we don't move the ball. Waller's back, looks, guns down a little for Waller. Oh, he made a run in and catch. Let's go. Let's go. We worked on that throw a lot. That was the first time that we ever hit it. It's like a huge situation. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Darren Waller talking about his big play that he had in the playoff game versus the Bengals. Darren Waller was on the top 100 list. Max Crosby was on the top 100 list. Chandler Jones was on the top 100 list. And so was Derek Carr. Devontae Adams, we all will, you know, not be shocked at all when he's at the top of the top 100 list. And there may be another Raider on there as well, but we'll wait and see. Uh, I don't get involved in the top 100 list until the whole thing is revealed. And then I'll just kind of glance over it and give the players their respect where it's due and then keep it pushing. So that's just how I do it. Coming up around 3.30, we'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day, but we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What has surprised you the most about what you've seen or heard about this team so far? And surprises could be good or bad. And maybe you think some of the releases or some of the waves are, uh, you know, maybe those are a surprise to you. Uh, the Raiders had to get down to 85 guys today. They have done that officially. They released Vernon Butler, defensive tackle, out of uh, Louisiana Tech, and then Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver, out of Florida. They released those two players and waived cornerback uh, Nate Brooks, defensive end Gary Green, and tackle Tyrone Wheatley Jr., who actually came up with the fumble recovery at the end of the game on Sunday against the Vikings when uh, Britton Brown got drilled. He got drilled hard, and that ball, all of a sudden you saw a ball just boom, just pop up, and Tyrone Wheatley Jr. was the man on the spot. He has been waived by the Silver and Black. So those are the five players no longer on the team. The roster is now currently down to 85 players. So, again, you feel free to hit us up and chime in on the show at 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword r Plenty of text messages to get to. Mailman Raider said, biggest surprise for me is not being afraid to make the big move. If you look at the Patriots' past, they don't trade top-of-the-line picks to get a best wide receiver in the NFL. They don't win free agency with big-name guys, and that's what they did. When McDaniel and Ziggs first got here, I would have never seen any of that coming. So I like the fact, Devon, that multiple people are talking about the front office and talking about the moves that they've made or the fact that it's real quiet and that you're not hearing about the transactions until it actually happens. I love the fact that a lot of people are giving props to the actual guys that are putting the team together as opposed to just the team. 
Because I think with the returning players, you know, the the obvious splashes of getting Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, those are big splashes. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the current roster as it's constructed, everybody knows what those guys can do. Like we all say, this was a playoff team last year. Right. The biggest thing they have to overcome, not fit, not actually on the field, but just is the disrespe- disrespect that they get in the media if everybody picking them last. But Damn media. Raider- <laughs> Damn media, guys. But in Raider Stupid Nation. Stupid media. But in Raider Nation, the fan base knows that this team is good and that these, this is a playoff team. Right, right. Jason in Maryland said, operating in secrecy is the old school Raider way. Al Davis never leaked anything to the media. Knowing what the Raiders was doing was always top secret information. Spot on. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate that. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up. Q&D. Great topic this afternoon. What I'm surprised so far with our new regime is how organized this team seems to be. It's been years that I felt like the Raiders have had have had any organization that's a special thanks to our new front office including our new gm president etc i can see it in our players when they speak to the media interviews and so on i really feel like this team will have great results leading to double digit wins on the field here in 2022 strong leadership and finally a sense of direction i definitely feel are here with the raiders maybe i'm drinking too much whiskey but i've got a great feeling with this team thanks guys that's from sir whiskey ray so most likely he's probably drinking a little whiskey but is there ever too much whiskey is there ever? T- oh, I guess there could be. I guess you could have too much whiskey. But I, I like the overall point of the text. Again, going back to the regime, going back to the front office, organization feels like things are, are the way that they're supposed to be from the top down, right? They're all, they're all just, it's, it seems like everything is lined up correctly. And I don't want to give them too much praise because like J- GM Dave Ziegler actually said, hey, I like the fact that, you know, uh, everyone's still happy with us because we haven't messed anything up, <laughs> right? And he said it obviously in a joking way, but yeah, he's right. You know, obviously the proof will be in the pudding when they actually get out there on the field. But I could appreciate the fact that people recognize and, and feel like it's different. Feel like the way that the organization is being ran, as far as putting this team together, the way that practices are constructed, the way that the attention to detail, it's just different than what it's been. And anyone who's been covering this team or following this team for a very long time, like myself and and many other in Raider Nation, knows that it hasn't always been that way. And again, I got to give the Raiders a lot of credit for times that it's been unorganized or even a little dysfunctional, I could say. They've still found ways to get it done, right? They've still found ways to overcome that to a certain extent. Now, obviously, there's plenty of years of, yeah, that wasn't very good. But that was the ultimate dysfunction last season. I mean, you, I couldn't have wrote that. That script any 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 better that it's going to start out this way it's going to the middle's going to look like this and then the end's going to look like this there's no way I could have wrote that there's absolutely no way and I don't think anyone else could I know a couple people will tell me that they could but I still find that hard to believe seven zero two three six five nine two hundred who we got up next Devon Raider Dave in Denver Raider Dave welcome to the show what's on your mind brother Hey man you know I'm really really happy with uh, and pleasantly surprised at the lack of penalties that the Raiders uh, have been committing. Uh, there's a few that were at some inopportune times, but certainly it's an eye-opener to every time a flag is called, hey, it's on the other team. And <laughs> right. I don't know if that's, you know, somebody in the upper office of Zebraland says, well, McDaniels is good. Let's go ahead and lighten up. And I really <laughs> doubt that. But right. it kind of makes everybody kind of in Raider Nation sort of think that. Um, I am surprised about some of the cuts, uh, but maybe some of these guys are like Robinson. You know, they cut them early. They got a good chance of getting on with another team. So I think there's a little bit of that. I think the Raiders respect these players that come in and, and try so hard and provide good tape and good effort. And I don't think they just want to uh, do something that's going to completely toss them too late to get on with another team. 
I, I hey, great call. And you know what? I, I do like that, and I can appreciate when teams do that. When they feel like a guy's not going to make it, let him get on his way early so he can go try to find another another team to latch on with is, is, as opposed to, uh, like has been mentioned many times, that, you know, when that big cut comes down and then all of a sudden there's, you know, 1,100 guys out there on the open market. It's like, well, how's this guy going to find a job now? So you're right. A guy like Demarcus Robinson, hell, he might b- end up back in KC for all we know, right? So, you know, you don't want to wish anything ill will towards any of these guys because, remember, this is their job. I don't wish anyone to lose their job. We all know how hard it is to get a job. And we found out in 2020 and 2021, it's hard for people that don't want jobs. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even want jobs anymore, you know, in the real world, not in the football world. But in the real world, there's so many people that don't even want to work. But I never wished anybody to lose their job. So if a guy like Demarcus Robinson, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Vernon Butler, uh, Tyrone Wheatley, I mean, all these guys that have been released right now, maybe they have an opportunity now to latch on with another team and see if they can, you know, find a fit there, let's go back out to the phone lines again at 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Tim in Texas. Tim in the Lone Star State. What's up, my man? Hello, how y'all doing? We're blessed. Um, 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 my thing is also like the organization, too, because it just it really does just seem different. I haven't really seen it like this uh, since the first time, like when, when John Gruden came mm-hmm. and, uh, and stuff like that. And I mean, that's the reason why you call it organiz- uh, you know, the, the organization, because they are organiz- organized right now. And it's just, it's just, uh, I think, of, of course, getting Devontae Adams and, uh, and, uh, and the defensive end, Jones is good and everything like that. That really surprised me that we was even able to get them. It surprised me that they were, that they even done it because of the way New England works or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the way that they, they just look they look totally different and um i mean uh i mean as, as excited as i was for the season last year and i knew the raiders was going to be good last year but then all that stuff happened i mean the raiders basically made a movie last year <laughs> right you know the whole season was basically uh something that you can uh, put in hollywood for real I agree. I agree. Great call, Tim. Thank you so much. Calling out the Lone Star State. We appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, again, going back to the way things are done. And I think that a lot of Raider Nation is realizing, you know, and I know everyone's not on board still, and that's okay. You don't have to be. But I think a lot of people are realizing that, you know, obviously we all have to wait to see how it translates on the field. But man, they got an opportunity. They really do. I was in, I was in my boss's office this morning and I told her straight up, man, I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you how many wins this team's going to have, but they, they, they got something that they're brewing over there. They're, they're, they're brewing something that's, uh, that's going to be pretty nice. You know, if it all comes together on the field, they got something nice. Just the way that things are ran has, has really stood out to me. That has been my biggest takeaway is the way that everything is ran. It's ran smoothly. It's ran with confidence. It feels like it's ran the right way. It just feels right. Now, I say that, Always goes back to what my grandmother said. It looks good, feels good, don't mean it is good. We'll see that starting September 11th. But right now, August 16th, I can tell you, it feels like it's headed in the right direction. Got a text from Vegas. I'm assuming this is Vegas Pete. Josh McDaniels has really impressed me. After Gruden was out and we were forced to get a new guy uh, in, it could be a mess. McDaniels embracing Raider history, instilling discipline, are uh, breath of fresh air, and he's smiling and enjoying himself. Mr. D made the right choice. Uh, that's from Vegas Pete right there. And, uh, DeMond, I don't know if you have the sound bite 
from head coach Josh McDaniels talking about embracing uh, the moment and really just uh, it was it was from his his media session yesterday, the Zoom call that we were on, and he was talking about this time around he's in you know in like just enjoying the ride, right? He was went to Canton, Ohio, and that was the Hall of Fame game, and that was going back home for him, and then he soaked in the experience at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday, and he instead of doing what he did in Denver, where it was just like work, 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 keep your head down, don't pay attention to what's going on around you. He's actually enjoying this ride. Here's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about that. I am. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I, you know, it's it's just. Uh, I think at this time in my my life and my career, um, not that I'm super old, but um, you know, I have been around for you know this is my third decade in the NFL, and I'm just you know I, I think I'm appreciating the things that um, you know that you have right in front of you each day. Um, the people that work here are tremendous. Um, I can't say enough about the people in our building and our organization, the people that, that Mark's put here. I mean, you know, it just, we have such great support. Um, and then going to the stadium yesterday, the reception from the moment you, you drive into the parking lot, you know, it's just unique, uh, to me. And so, um, really enjoyed yesterday. I, I can see why so many people, uh, players uh, would would want to play here and, and enjoy this kind of atmosphere and, and the kind of support that we receive um, from our fan base. Um, and so, yeah, it's a it is it's important, I think, at this stage in your life to make sure that you at least stop and are aware of of how cool some of the things are that we get to experience, because if you if you don't do that, you know, when it's all said and done, you'll probably regret the fact that you didn't take a little time to just acknowledge the journey, you know, and if you don't enjoy the journey, it's hard to, it's hard to really appreciate it. Head coach Josh McDaniels right there talking about that journey and talking about the fact that he's embracing it. Right. And, uh, you know, he was very pleasantly surprised by what he saw on Sunday at Allegiant stadium for a preseason game, you know, a packed house for the most part for a preseason game, a loud, loud atmosphere. It wasn't a lazy crowd. It wasn't one that was just sitting around chilling. It wasn't that having a couple couple drinks and, you know, hanging out with the with everybody. I'll tell you, from the moment I walked in the door at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday, it felt like, and I said this on Monday's show, it felt like the first day of school. Like when you see all your friends, you're like, what's up, dog? You know, like, hey, man, hey, what's up? Hey, Mickey, what's up, dog? You know, you just run across the room, give him a big hug or whatever. It's, it's it, it felt like the first day of school. It was a damn preseason game. DeMond, it was just a preseason game, but – it just felt right to be back in the building. It was exciting, and that's not just for me. That wasn't just for the fans. I mean, it was. It seemed like for everybody that was working, people behind the counters that were selling beers and sodas, and they were all smiles, and it wasn't just because they were making money. It was just because everyone was happy to be back in the building. And, again, the expectations for this team obviously has made the hype and the journey that much more fun. And so Josh McDaniels was able to soak that in. I think that's a big deal. I really do. Especially when just the journey of this team to get here. People, hey, is Vegas, is football going to work in Vegas? Right. And I think it's been an, a astounding success. Yep. It's just been wow. Like you said, even the workers are excited to be there. The city's excited to be there. I remember someone last week, they took a shot at Adam Hill after we had him on the show and was just like, no, man, I don't care if it's a preseason game. Hey, like, I'm the working man. Right. And I can't afford a regular season ticket. Yep. So this is my chance to be there and soak it in in my first experience at Allegiant Stadium. And I'm sure there were plenty of people around. Yep. 
the city where, hey, they might not get to go to a regular season game, but they're going to be in there hooting and hollering like it's a Super Bowl for that first game in Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I mean, uh, our real good friends, Anna and Rob from the Bay, they uh, they came into uh, to Vegas and they went to that game on Sunday and we spent a lot of good quality time with them, man, and they had an uh, outstanding time. And I, I remember Rob telling me when we were walking uh, out and walking to the car, it's like, man, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. You know, this this was a lot of fun. So, you know, them being in town was great. Of course, Vegas Jess being there, uh, him and his wife being there, that was that was great. And just again, it just we all met at the it's like we all met at the damn uh, torch and it was just it was the hangout. It was just man, it was you look around and all of a sudden you see someone else that you know. You know, I see Mickey and Mary walking across. I'm like, hey, what's up, Mickey? You know, it's just you know, uh Silver and Black Panther was there. I mean, just when Wendy was there. I mean, it's just I mean I, the list goes on and on. I don't wanna not Say someone's name because it'd be like, damn, Q, you, you forgot about me. No. I was in that same picture. Right, exactly. Damn it, go back and look at your photos. But no, I mean, it was just, it was, ex- I'm getting excited just talking about it right now. <laughs> I mean, I just, that, that's how fired up I was to be there and be in the building, in the press box. You're seeing people excited to see the product on the field, see what's going on. Again, don't want to get too hyped over a preseason game, but man, that atmosphere, I tell you, I've been to some preseason games and that atmosphere was second to none. Got a tweet from my guy, Mike. He said, Q, I'm with McLean on fighting. I think it's a good thing. Although Gruden would never admit it, I feel like he thought it was a positive as well. I hope the Patriot West boys don't try and coach that out of the guys like Max. And uh, thank you, Mike, for that tweet. I appreciate you. I don't think that that's the case at all. And matter of fact, when they got into the little scrum that they had, uh, what, a couple weeks ago now, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a big to-do. Now, I just, I'm just going off of when I say that I'm sure that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are going to say, hey, no fighting, you know, we'll kick you out of practice. That's because that's what the Patriots and the Panthers did. Matt Rule, who I respect the hell out of, and Bill Belichick, they, they both agreed to that. If there's any kind of fighting in practice, they were going to send, send them out. So I, that's why I said that. But, I mean, a, a little bit here and there, I get it. You just don't want the big, massive issue. You know, and even the Raiders got into it last year with the, with the Rams, and I, I believe someone got a little bit banged up. But for the most part, just like John said, these guys are all padded up. As long as you don't go start swinging at helmets, you're fine. Now, there's always some, one knucklehead that'll swing at the helmet and think that it's going to do something. It doesn't do anything but hurt you. But uh, thank you so much for that tweet, my man. It's always great to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listening line. Who we got up, Demond? ABA, Ivan Davis. ABA, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. What's up, Demond? They spoke to you in a long time, man. <laughs> What's going on? Why you bow his chest up, though, when he said <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to be mentioned. Like, oh. But uh, there's a parallel between uh, as far as this coaching staff and the success that they're going to have. The head coach, there's one coach that had almost a similar path that was involved with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And Mike, remember Mike Shanahan when he first started? Yep. Mike Shanahan, Raider coach, yep. didn't go well. Just like in, just like this coach didn't go well in Denver. Fired. Al fired him. All of a sudden, he went, let's see, what, San Francisco, right? Set up under Bill Walsh, I think. Yep, yep. And then he went to other teams. And then when he got his second chance, he built a dynasty in Denver. Okay, th- I think this coach is going to take almost a similar path. And you know, why would I say that? When you can get reserves that are probably going to get cut, okay, to execute at a high level for whatever little time that they have, that means your offensive system is good. Not the offense, because you haven't had enough time to learn the offense, but the system that's in place is outstanding. 
because everybody right now from from the first string to the sixth string comes out there and executes. And uh, you only see that on the teams with really, 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 really good offenses like San Francisco. I hate to say that, but uh, you know, I mean, credit where credit's due. Right. And and last thing before I go, uh, all you guys out there in Vegas, San Francisco. They're not afraid. It's not Oakland, so they're not afraid to come out. They plan on trying to sell out that stadium. Don't let them in that stadium. Buy them tickets. Make, make them stand outside and listen to it on the broadcast. Listen to Q on the broadcast. <laughs> and if Q ain't broadcasting, then they just can't listen. There you okay, go. So, thank th- anyway, thanks a lot, Q. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, there's been a lot of folks that hit me up and said uh, that there's a big push for the for Niner fans to, to buy as many tickets as possible to Allegiant Stadium and try to uh, turn it into uh, you know their home away from home. And, look, I, I say this, bottom line, obviously there's a ton of folks here in Vegas that have season tickets. If the Raiders are in it at the end of the season or even close to being in it at the end of the season, that place will be packed out in silver black. Simple as that. I mean, it's going to be just simple as that. If they are where I think they'll be by the time the first of the year rolls down around when that, that Niner game comes up, I don't think there'll be anything to worry about. We'll just see. Obviously we will see. Let's take one more call. 702-365-9200. Who's up? Bernard. Bernard. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, how you guys doing? Man, we're chilling. Hey, Q, just real quick, and to, and to DeMond also, y'all, y'all got a great show, man. Um, it's, the, it's the same thing a lot of people have been saying, man. I wasn't really surprised, but I wanted to see how organized they look. And I think uh, even before I called in, a lot of people, and some people have been texting saying the same thing. You could just you just got that feeling they just look so much organized from the field, the the coaches, when you hear Ziegler talk, the players. It's just it's, it's, it's refreshing to see, man, and it's, you can tell they got a vision. And um, it's it's going to translate to the field. It's going to translate to the field. And um, I think a lot of Raider fans just just see you can see such a big difference over the last few years. And a lot of we've been fans forever. We good or bad, we're mm-hmm. going to be there. Uh, one more thing, John McClain, that dude is a gem, man. Y'all y'all got great chemistry, man. I, I can't wait till he comes on. And when he said he was retiring and he requested to still do your show. I thought that was awesome, man. Y'all got something good going on. When you, every time you talk to him, I know y'all, I can tell y'all friends. And I, I don't know how old he is, but from what he talks about, I know it's a big age difference there. But y'all just seem like y'all boys. You know, I can just tell y'all <laughs> y'all boys. And, and DeMond, I love his input. Uh, I like Vinny, but he and DeMond wasn't, didn't get a lot of input as far as his voice on that show. And I love getting some input from, from DeMond. I see him growing with, with you, Q, so Good thing taking him under your wing, man. I, I see good things in the future for that, for that young man. So keep it up, Q. The content is great because we didn't have it out here in the Bay. And, man, you just blasting it, man. I feel like I'm in Vegas even though I'm not. So keep <laughs> up the good work, y'all. Will do. Thank you, Bernard, for the call. Appreciate you. And, yeah, DeMonza, uh, he's a gem, man. He's a guy that's uh, definitely growing. He's got the personality. Uh, that's all him. And uh, as long as he continues to, you know, just – do what he does and keep putting his nose down and grinding, he'll, he'll be just fine. You know, all you need is an opportunity. So he's definitely going to get that opportunity, and uh, I definitely appreciate him. As far as John McClain goes, that is my boy. I mean, that guy, uh, he's one of the reasons I'm here, right? I mean, he's one of the guys, when I first met him, he was on my radio show in Central Texas because of my programmer director, David Smoke. He had a good relationship with him. So he was like, hey, I'm going to put you on, and he used to call us the Young Homies. I'm going to put you on the Young Homies show, you know, to, to bring some credibility to their show. So – it was like two or three shows in, and we had done interviews with him. And I don't know what it was about me, but when he came to town, he was like, man, I want to meet with you. He, he texted me and asked me to meet with him. So I met with him, and he told me then and there, I'm going to get you out of here. I need to get you out of Central Texas. I called my mom immediately afterwards. That, that's how 
how much it meant to me. I called my mom. I was like, Mom, John McClain said he's going to get me out of Central Texas. He knows that I'm better than this. And uh, my mom's always been, you know, the biggest supporter. Oh, yeah, you are, you are. But, you know, you don't you, you start to doubt yourself, right? So John was like, Q, just keep grinding, keep grinding. He, uh, he got me lined up for an interview in Houston. And I had an interview with, with the, uh, the program director at the station that he works in Houston. And we met at the bowl game when Baylor played. I forget who they played, but they played someone in the bowl game there at, uh, at NRG Stadium. I had got the job. Like it wasn't gonna be full time, but I was gonna I was gonna do both radio stations. I was gonna work in Central Texas, then drive to Houston every weekend and do shows, which is a three hour difference. But if you if you if you want it, you go get it. So I I accepted that job. Why did my man get fired the next day? <laughs> he got fired the next day. I was devastated, man. I was like, damn, I can never get out of here. I'm gonna be stuck, right? That was my opportunity. Cause all I feel like is if you let me in the door, I'm gonna handle my business. So that guy got fired. And he called me. He was like, man. Sorry, I got fired, this and that. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. And so anyway, so that was gone. And then John introduced me to Armin, who actually took that guy's, that guy's uh, job, Armin Williams. He introduced me to him at NRG Stadium for another Texans Raider game. And so he was like, man, you need to be in Vegas. And he said, I know the guy that's the program director there in Kyle. Kyle's the guy who was the program director before me. So he got me in contact with Kyle. And Kyle wanted to hire me. Kyle was going to hire me. But then what happened, Damon? A damn pandemic hit us. And oh, the, is that what happened? I mean, that's what the story is. <laughs> that's how the story goes. But we had conversations. So I started doing the show here with Scott. And I did that on my own dime because I just wanted to be in Vegas. I wanted to have the opportunity to be in Vegas. And long story short, all of a sudden, Kyle leaves. I'm frustrated because I'm like, well, now I got to build a relationship with someone else again. And then I decided I'm not building a relationship with nobody. I'm going to try to be the guy. And lo and behold, uh, Natalie and, and all the fine folks here at Lotus said, yeah, we'll give that guy a shot. So long story short, that's how I got here. And John McClain was very instrumental in helping me get here. So I always will thank that guy. And uh, he's an A1 dude. And if you're a stand-up person and, and have any kind of integrity worth the salt, he's going to he'll, – he'll know it. He'll know it and he'll have your back. So, yeah, big-time appreciation from my guy. John McClain. 346 at the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number two. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Three fifty is the time. Coming up in 10 minutes, our weekly check-in. Matter of fact, we check in twice a week with them. Lincoln Kennedy, the great Lincoln Kennedy. He'll join us to talk all things silver and black. Talk about his second broadcast with Jason Horowitz and a whole lot more. We'll talk about cut down day. Got a lot to get to with Lincoln Kennedy. We'll do that as we kick off the next hour starting at 4 o'clock. Wanted to hit a couple text messages, but I also wanted you to hear some sound. Wanted to do a little bit of kind of abbreviated cover three, little NFL news and notes. And uh, DeMond was scrolling through uh, just a bunch of NFL news and came across some some audio that he thought, hey, man, this will be really good to bring to the show. So, DeMond, go ahead and, and explain to us what uh, what it was you heard. All right, so on first take, Stephen A is back from vacation, you know, so they bring it up. Side note, <laughs> time out. Okay. I don't mean to cut you off. <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a hater, but I know I would sound like, I'm going to sound like a hater. What in the hell were they doing on a damn yacht yesterday and him in a bright orange suit? Him and Michael Irvin going back and forth on a freaking yacht. What were they doing? Good TV. It Was, was it? Because <laughs> it immediately made me turn it off. I was like, come on, man. This is too much. You ain't got to be on no yacht. Just, I mean, it was... I don't know. I, again, I know I sound like a hater, but that was really that Stephen was too- A. Back from vacation, you gotta. He was gone for a damn long time, yeah. and you know how I know? 
because <laughs> guys on the network were filling in for him. And when those guys filled in for him, guess who had to fill in for them? <laughs> Me. <laughs> so I know how much he was on vacation. And I know he earned it. Don't get me wrong. He earned it. But, man, came back on a yacht okay, in an orange you know, suit. You know what I took from that story? What? Stephen A. was putting money in your pockets. Not really. <laughs> I am no longer hourly. <laughs> oh, oh. And you know how it goes when you go salary. <laughs> All bets are off. Never mind about that. Yeah. But today, on, on first take, Marcus Spears was also on the desk across from him. And they were finishing up a piece oh, talking about Patrick Mahomes, whatever the newest quote is. And then Molly Quorum, she says, hey, Marcus, so do you think that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC West? Well, the best offense in the AFC West. And this is what he had to say. Marcus, do you think the Chiefs are going to have the best offense in the division? No. I think it's the Las Vegas Raiders. And everybody keeps talking about, I love Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a phenomenal receiver. Hard argument that he's the best receiver in the league. We forget about Darren Waller. Yeah. Hunter Riffro had 100 catches last year. He's a, he's a forgotten guy in this league from the slot that people don't realize how good and how devastating yep. he is to defenses as well. We like, we love passing, right? Derek Carr is a, I, I, I think we all at this table would agree that Derek Carr is a very formidable quarterback. Yeah. He's full. He led that team. I like team. that word. I like he, that word. But he like led the word. team to the playoffs uh, last year. Yeah. No, no, he, he led them. He did. He did. He did. I'm not knocking that. Did you argue playoffs. he's the worst quarterback in that division? Yeah, but but we got to put words in context when you're talking about three of the top six. I'm just saying. Guys. We're talking best offense. Listen. The Las Vegas Raiders, with what they have on the outside, Derrick Carr has shown me enough. Derrick Carr went to the playoffs last year with Zay Jones, Mm -hmm. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and now you add the best wide receiver in the NFL to the the organization. Josh Jacobs is a forgotten running back in this league that's Mm -hmm. very, very good. But beyond all of that, I went through all of that list of players. Are we not not ready to say that Josh McDaniels is one of the top offensive minds in the league? Oh, there it is right there. I like that. Great get, DeMond. And again, like to bring it to the table when national, and I say that in air quotes, national media is talking about the Raiders, good or bad. And again, another guy in the national media that's been uh, around the corner, done, been there, done that a few times. Marcus Spears knows what he's talking about. He's talking about the Raiders and their high-power offense. And again, going back to the sideline, you can have all the great players you want, but if the guy on the sideline don't know how to push the right buttons, it's not going to get done. And for anyone who's doubting what Josh McDaniels can do, look at the consistency of how the plays are getting called into the game. You know what I'm saying? And, and remember we, we had that sound yesterday from Brian Baldinger where he's like, don't worry about the players. This is what the Raiders are trying to do. It doesn't matter. And this goes back to the call we got from Bernard. It doesn't really matter. It was ABA Ivan Davis. It was ABA Ivan Davis. He, he called and said, you know, look, look at the guys that are still making plays, even if they're lower on the, on the, you know, the roster, they're still making plays. Because you can take some of these guys, you can almost close your eyes and say, okay, this player is going to be in this position, this player in this position. McDaniels is still going to push the right buttons to get them in the right positions to succeed. And what I'm impressed with, and I was impressed with this in the Hall of Fame game, and I came out of this this past game against the Vikings impressed as well. The plays are getting called into the game at a very quick pace. Doesn't mean that they're going hurry up offense, but the rhythm is there in the play calling. There's no hesitation. Look when you see the Raiders snap the ball. What double-digit number they're on when they're snapping the ball. They are able to get the play calls in quick, fast, and in a hurry. 3.55 is the time. Come back. Kickoff hour number three of the show will be joined by Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920.